Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. Amen, church. Happy Easter. How are we? Okay, uh, so I... I grew up in a, in a Catholic setting, a light Catholic setting. And so I was always a little disoriented when the priest would say something and the whole rest of the people in the room would say something back to him. And so I just want to give you this freebie out of the pain from my childhood that I'm about to say something and your response is going to be, he is risen indeed. Do we got that? So I'm going to say, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Man, come on. You don't just look beautiful. You sound beautiful today. Church, let's go. I... I love Easter. Um, it is probably my first favorite day, maybe my second favorite day to only my birthday. Cause that's like the day where it's all about me, you know, but uh, this day is pretty awesome as well. I, uh, before we jump into the message real quick, I do want to know, uh, I'm talking Easter treats real quick. Okay. So who's on team Cadbury egg? If you could just, can I see your hands real quick? Cadbury egg. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, what about, um, what about, do we have Robin eggs, Robin eggs? Come on, that is my wife's favorite. The robin eggs have been going quick off our shelf. Um, what, about, what about Reese's eggs? The Reese's peanut butter, chocolate peanut butter. Fan favorite, come on. Uh, how, how many we got peeps in the room? Peeps, don't be embarrassed. Listen, keep your hand up, keep your hand up. Prayer team, will you just look at these people? We're gonna pray for their salvation at the end of this service, okay? Um, no, listen, um, I love, I love Easter. It is obviously the day we're not just celebrating uh, flowers coming out of the ground. We're not just celebrating that spring is commencing and that white people are gonna finally start getting a little more tan, right? Um, we are celebrating our risen savior today, that Jesus lived the perfect life, did what we could not do, paid the price we could not pay, went to death, died on the cross, so that it was finished. The law had been fulfilled. We could be made right with God again. And he desires relationship with you above all else. That is why we're here because the tomb is empty. So we just, listen, I wasn't gonna do this. Let's read it one more time. Let's read it one more time. Luke chapter 24. There's no slide for this. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they stood perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Come on, we are celebrating the fact that Jesus himself came back to life, back to life. That is the name of the message this morning, that our King conquered death, conquered sin, conquered the grave, and he came back to life. The Bible has a lot to say about life. In John 10, 10, we see this verse, that the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. His name is Satan. His name is the devil. He is the one who got sucker punched in the face on Easter 2000 plus years ago. Right, and he has been defeated, but he is not vanquished. And so he's still around and he is still robbing and he is still pulling and he is still trying best he can to lie and to steal and to take from you everything that God has planned for you. And so the steal comes to kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly or have it to the full. See, uh, the Bible offers a lot for us around the topic of life. And that is all I want to talk about this morning. What the Bible, what God's vision for life is for us human beings. 
And I want to, and then at the very end of this, I want to invite you into it. So I think to explain and to talk about best what the Bible means, what the vision that the Bible has for life, what God has for life is we have to start all the way back in the beginning at the garden. You see, because the world that we are living in today does not represent well the garden that was represented in Genesis chapter one. The very first pages of your Bible are gonna unfold with this beautiful telling of God, the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit in perfect union with one another in the delight and joy that they have in their relationship spill out on the creative blank canvas and they just start making everything. They start making everything. And there's all these beautiful dualities that we see. We see the stars and the sun and the moon and the land and the sea and the birds and the fish. And we see the vegetation. And we finally see on the sixth day that God creates the most pinnacle prized possession of all of his creation, mankind, you and me. He creates Adam and Eve and it's perfect and it's beautiful. And he says, this above all else is very good. It's very good. And Adam and Eve have this perfect relationship with God. They get to walk with him in the garden. They get to experience life to the full as it was intended by God. Work with no toil. Come on, how nice would that be? Yeah. Right? They have relationship with one another that has no strife, no comparison, no competition, no contention whatsoever. They have this perfect relationship with one another and their charge given to them is to be fruitful and multiply. Hello, that is in your Bible to take the earth and to subdue it, to take the earth and to subdue it, to put God's, uh, God's, all the raw elements of this world that God has created and to put them into order so that they might flourish. That's what was given to mankind. And one rule they were given not to do that they broke. And that was to take and eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And it's, it's an apple in most of your pictures, I guess, right? Where, where Eve takes the apple, Adam's just as guilty as well. And for the first time in God's perfect creation, life fractures, death enters. This is a story out of Genesis chapter three. It's called the fall of mankind, right? And it's where, it's where sin now has entered the world and has become a problem for us all. So no longer do we have just perfect relationship with God. No longer do we have perfect relationship with one another. No longer are we perfect representatives of Christ in this world. But now all of creation has been tilted off of the axis that God designed it to operate in because sin is now in the world. Rebellion is now part of this world. And this is, this is the world that you and I inherit. One that's full of distrust and disdain. One that's full of hurt and sorrow and brokenness and lament and pain and anguish. Right? How many of you experienced that at all in the last couple of years? It's weird, honestly, for me to be in this room like this uh, because for the last couple of years, Easter Sunday has not looked like this, right? It was, it was two years ago, I was sitting over here looking at just one piece of glass. That's what Easter Sunday looked like for me. And I think for all of us, we felt this sense of frustration, distrust, fear, anxiety, I don't know what to label it for you, but I know that all of us have felt something over the last couple of years. And maybe you've even experienced a lot of those things over the last couple of days. Anybody? Right, this is the life that you and I inherited, one that was fallen, one that was broken, one that was hurting. And the reason that we gather on Easter is to celebrate that Jesus ushered in a new era. It's not complete yet, but he began something new where we once again could be called back into everlasting life. See, um, 
I know that every single person in this room um, has this echo in your heart of eternity because the Bible tells me so. Ecclesiastes 3.11, Solomon writes it this way. He says, God has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Let me tell you real quick what I think this verse means and then I'll tell you how it feels. What this verse means is that God has created something of eternal significance and we are not meant to find it here with temporary things like money or relationships or sex or kids. There's there's something that we all are trying to grasp at to fill this eternal angst, but none of them are gonna last for forever. And so we're grabbing at it and we can't figure out what God is doing because he is eternal. All of it is meant to actually stir us up to wonder and to behold the majesty of God but we get lost and we settle for these created things rather than falling in love with the creator. That's what we all do. That's what we all do. C.S. Lewis captures this verse, I think, this way. C.S. Lewis, the famous author of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, right? He says, if I find myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And so here's, here's the deal. You can try all that you want um, to try and stuff money or to try and stuff relationships or things or, or prestige, um, but none of it's gonna satisfy that deep angst in your heart until you have put something that is of eternal significance in there. And so this is, uh, listen, I'm just trying to come right through the front door with a lot of you because I know a lot of us in this room today, we are, we are celebrating the risen King today. And we're here most weeks and we're, we're going nuts and we're losing our mind when we sing all hail King Jesus because we feel the weight. It's not because we think we're better than anybody else, but it's because we feel the weight of what it means to be reconciled to God. Amen? Amen. But I also know, I also know there's a lot of us in this room. Maybe you just come because it's the culturally normal thing to do. Because if, hey, if God's taking attendance in church, Lord knows he's taking it on his day. You know what I'm saying? And so maybe, maybe you're just, and I'm, I'm being honest, maybe you're just here because it's kind of the normal thing that you do on Sunday, but, but your life by and large does not reflect or model an abiding relationship with the Holy Spirit where you're pressing into the Lordship of Christ and you're saying, God, not my will be done, but yours alone, right? But you're, but you're here and you're here because I think you, you wanna cover up that that eternal angst that you have deep in your soul, you want to try and cover it. I think we cover it in two different ways, mainly. There's probably way other, way more ways that we try and cover it, but I think there's two big ones that we do. We, we have religious routine, and then we just have outright rebellion. So here's what I mean by religious routine. If you look through the New Testament of your Bible, you're going to find Jesus being pretty angsty with one group of people. Who is it? It's the religious leaders of the day. It's the Pharisees, right? And what they've done is they've, they've used their religious activity to mask their, their sense of feeling inadequate and insufficient compared to the God of the universe. Now, now the deal is they, they should feel that way. We should look at a just, holy, perfect God and we should feel our own insignificance. But their turn to the insignificance, some of your turn to you feeling like you're not doing that good of a job at being a Christian is to do religious activity rather than to surrender your life to Jesus and to say, God, I can't do this, right? And so there's, there's so many people and it just breaks my heart. And, and maybe you're one of them today. Maybe today could finally be the day where the father just embraces you and says, it's not about the things that you're doing. It's about you. I love you. I don't love your stuff. I don't love the things that you can do for me. I don't love your giftedness. I love the way I made you. Maybe some of you will receive that today. Maybe there's other, others of you and you're just in outright rebellion, the second category I mentioned. 
right? Because I think there's, there's plenty of evidence in scripture, Romans chapter one, for example, that God's response to people who are in rebellion to him. And what I mean by rebellion to him is you've, you've seen the way that the Bible orders our life in the way that we're supposed to live, right? Because my guess is if we needed to go through kind of just a list of Christian ethics real quick, my guess is everybody in this room could name several of them. That's not really the problem is the problem is we can't live up to them or we don't want to live to them, right? It's not a problem of information. It's a problem that are, that are what David says, I have this bent towards iniquity in my soul. I, I'm, I'm just bent towards doing things that are contrary to what God wants me to do. And so some of you are, are happily in rebellion. Maybe some of you are frustratingly caught in rebellion where you just keep on giving yourself over to different things that you know you shouldn't be doing. And yet you just keep on choosing to live contrary to what the word of God says. And yet the word of God, what it's meant to do, this, this book that's a guide that has, yes, rules in it, but mainly the rules, ironically enough, are meant to show us that we can't live up to them and that we in fact do need a savior. And so while we're sitting here frustrated by the fact that we can't follow all the rules, God all the while is saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will finally give you rest, right? So there's rebellion and there's religious activity and neither one of those, I think in the rebellious activity column, the, the, the arrogance of our day to think that my individual autonomy can author a better life than Jesus can for me. It's a bold claim. It's a bold claim that you with your finite 3.5 pound brain can think of a better way to live your life than God can for you. And I'm just here to tell you, all, and the reason I start with the garden is to say, God has a vision for your life that goes beyond you just either living in a certain way and following certain rules or, or, or you just kind of being the kind of person that you always dreamed you could be. Like, like some of you are just so caught in this uh, YOLO mentality, you know? Like, I, I'm just gonna get what I can now. I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna do what I can now for my kids. I'm just gonna build up this life that I can now. And, and listen, um, I wanna as lovingly tell you as I can this morning, you might, you might be the best person at your job ever. And they're not gonna put your name on the building when you leave. They're gonna replace you with somebody younger than you and they're gonna pay them for less than what they're paying you. And what they're gonna give you on your way out is a sheet cake. <laughs> Maybe you're like, well, it's not, hey, it's not about that. I'm, I'm doing all this for my kids. I hear a lot of that these days. I'm just doing this to give my kids the opportunity that I never had. Guess what? How many of you can go back three generations in your family tree and name something that your granddaddy informed your life about? None of us can. Oh, maybe you're all up on the 23 and me and you know, oh, okay, well, I'm part here, I'm part there. But yeah, but tell me something about that man's life three generations ago that impacted who you are today. You can't do it. My point in saying all this is it's futile to try and stuff temporary things that are passing away, jobs, money, family, into that eternal angst in your soul that knows that there's something that we lost in the garden and longs for something to be made new. See, because the good news is because of the empty tomb, Jesus has sealed for us the promise that he is coming back again one day for the resurrection of everyone. And I think we get so lost. Taylor did such a good job talking about this last week. We get so lost that we think eternity heaven one day is, is you and me up on some cloud in the sky playing a harp to all the Christian radio songs that there are in the world. <laughs> now I've said it before, I'll say it again. That doesn't sound like heaven. That sounds like the other place to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. No, God's vision for heaven is to remake Eden in the world that you and I call home. 
to come back and to put this physical world back together where there is no more pain, no more tears. All the sad things are undone. He says in the Old Testament prophets that the mountaintops are going to produce sweet wine. In other words, what he's saying is that which yields nothing right now and is barren and is a wasteland is going to be fruitful and is going to be beautiful. He says the deserts are going to bloom with the fragrance of the roses. Where there is no life, God is going to infuse his life. He's going to bring the world back to life and you and I are going to get to be with him forever and ever. And it's going to be perfect. That's the vision that God has for heaven, for eternity. It's, it's not some like I'm disconnected from my body. No, I, I believe we, we're going to be there in physical bodies, doing physical things like golfing in Jesus' name. <laughs> you, you want to talk Masters Augusta National? That, like, that's a perfectly manicured course that we're going to watch later today, right? And, and, and that is in the midst of a fallen world. Do you know what I'm saying? Like imagine what that thing's going to look like in glory and I'm going to get to play there. I'm on a physical body doing physical things, working, working in a way that doesn't, that doesn't frustrate me, but, but is life-giving and purpose-filled in a way that I get to perfectly reflect my creator God back into his creation. And I get to just be a representative and an ambassador for his beauty in all areas of the earth. I get to carry him with me. That's God's vision for your life. So Easter is not a day where we just remember some Jewish teacher that died 2,000 plus years ago. Easter is the day when we celebrate the resurrected king and he came back to life. Please hear me, church. It's not just a day where we celebrate Jesus coming back to life. It's a day where we are invited for ourselves by God himself to come back into the life that he had always intended for us. And that's what this morning is all about, that Jesus has a plan for your life to invite you back in. And if you would lay down your rebellion and if you would lay down your religious activity to try and mask that feeling, and if you would just yield to him, the word that I can best describe it as is surrender. If you would surrender to him, you could begin to experience it. Not, not perfectly, not fully. I'm not saying come to Jesus and he'll take all your problems away. No, but I'm saying little by little, day by day, in this deep, abiding relationship with the God of the universe who says, I love you. I had a, I had a young lady in our, in our congregation. She came down here and she said, hey, I, I just felt like during worship, uh, God shared that the, the father is desperately just like, he's reaching his hands out and he's grabbing people today. And my question is if today is gonna be the day that you decide to come back to life. See, I think so many times we'll settle for saying things like, well, you know, I, I tried this already, but church didn't work for me. And I wonder if you made church about something that it's not. See, I, I think church best can be described in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter five. And I'm gonna read it uh, the way that Eugene Peterson writes it in his message uh, version. He says, the old life is gone. A new life emerges. Look at it. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, Jesus, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. You want to know the good news this morning? The gospel of Jesus Christ is that God did what you could not do. You could not be perfect, yet he stepped down. He laid heaven aside. He put human flesh on, walked on this earth, was perfectly obedient to the Father, even unto death on a cross. When he died, he, he paid for your uh, bill that you had acquired because of your sin in full. And when he was resurrected, he showed that that bill was paid finally, fully, and forever. 
that there is no, if there was still sin left unpaid for, Jesus would still be in the grave. But because Jesus has resurrected, he shows that all sin, past, present, future, is vanquished. It's gone. It is not judging you any longer. You no longer sit in this position of, of being even just like you were morally bad and now you're morally neutral. No, God sees you when you yield yourself to him and you come to faith in Jesus, you now look like the righteousness of Christ. The perfect obedience of Christ is on you. And, and listen, if you want to know what church is week in and week out, it is us um, not trying to scheme some political agenda. It's not us trying to, trying to devise some way that we can kind of infiltrate our culture and take over our city. It's us trying to remind ourselves daily of that fact, that I'm forgiven, that I'm beloved, that I'm adopted into God's family. And I am trying to continually remind us as a church, and we are continually sitting in this idea, how do I live out of that identity rather than my past identity? Because the old me is gone. The new me has come because of Jesus. Amen. He gave the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task now of telling everyone what he is doing. We are Christ's representatives See, I think so often the church, we miss this part. We think that salvation is just kind of this moment where as soon as we get it, now we can forget about it. It's like, okay, I've been made right with God. Great, now I'll just sit around and wait until I die and go to heaven. But Paul reminds us here in his letter to 2 Corinthians, he says, no, now, now the work begins. Now, now it's time to get going, church. The gospel is not some like doorway that I walk through and leave behind. The gospel is now the road that I'm walking on for the rest of my life. And Jesus has given me this message, not just to embrace for myself, but so that I might go and tell the world that he has come and brought forgiveness to ev everyone. We are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences, drop the rebellion, let go of the frustration, quit trying to do it on your own and enter into God's work of making things right between you and him. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become, I love this, become friends with God. He's already a friend for you. What, what if we just received that this morning? Even you, you saints in the room who are coming just to worship and to celebrate the risen King Jesus. What if you just continually received this morning to just be friends with God? He's already a friend of yours. How, you ask? In Christ. I love that it's that simple. It's faith in Christ. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be made right with God. The invitation this morning is to come back to life, but you don't get to experience resurrection without a death. What do you mean by that, Austin? Well, I mean, it's gonna get all Indiana Jones up in here and someone's gonna rip somebody's heart out. So, you know, like, no, I'm just, these are the jokes, okay? If you hang out long enough, you'll get to know this is kind of just what I do. I enter weird jokes at weird moments, but no, no, what I, what I mean is that there is no new life without death. And what is that death? It's, it's you dying to yourself. It's you leaving your old life behind. It's you surrendering and going, God, I, I want you and you alone. I can't do this anymore. Galatians 2.20 says it this way. I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. I have yielded my autonomous will to the will of God the Father. It's not, what do I want? It's God, what do you want for me? And I promise you the invitation this morning is his vision for your life is bigger than yours could ever be. His vision for your life is bigger and it's greater and it's better than yours could ever be, 
ever be. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So, so what do we do? What's our response to this message? It's to simply surrender and to trust. And that word is faith. It's to have faith. It's to have faith that Jesus is the only son of God that he did in fact die for my sin, that he was in fact raised from the grave, that he wasn't just resuscitated as in brought back to life only to die again, but Jesus was resurrected again to never die. So that right now he is ascended and seated at the right hand of the father, reigning and ruling where he belongs as King Jesus. And so the invitation today is to come back to life really simply. I I know in a room in a day like today, uh, we have all kinds of people here in front of us. And, and, and my hope is that you would, as, either as a, as a Christian, that we would press in and be reminded that we are not spectators in this thing that God is doing. Right? So like I, I, uh, my son's playing soccer at this point. He's eight years old. So you can imagine what that's like on Saturday mornings. Yesterday was freezing. It was so cold. And they lost a heartbreaker at the final minutes of the game. It was brutal. He bawled. He cried his eyes out. Um, watching the soccer game, Here's what you have when you have a bunch of seven and eight-year-olds playing soccer. You have a handful of them that get it. They understand what's going on. You have a handful of them that know, they have no idea what's going on. But I mean, there, there's one kid, I've watched him for the first couple games of the season. He's literally stood there. He hasn't done anything yet. Just, I'm, I'm not even kidding. Hands in his pockets, playing defense. John, am I lying? No, I'm telling the truth. What, the ball gets kicked to him. Hey, can I tell you something? Some of you Christians need to get off the field if you're playing like that. God's vision for you is to score, is to take the ball up the field, is to be a threat, is to do something with the ball. Like I think so often we just want to spectate and watch other people play. And God's like, I've invited you into this. I've given you gifts. I've given you skills. I've given you a reason to gather and to come together and to worship and to make my name known in this world. And if you settle just to spectate, I don't even know why you're playing. I think, it's, I think it's probably the most dangerous position you could be in to say, I believe in God. What's he doing in my life? I don't know. I just like to watch other people play. Church, the invitation is back to life. There's nothing that I wanna lay on you that feels like condemnation or shame this morning. This is simply an invitation that God has made you with purpose, with dignity, with value, way too much for you to just spectate and live out your life and never participate and be a threat to the enemy. So, so the question is, is, is what do we do from here? Uh, we, we put together uh, this form on a website. I know kind of in these moments, we can hype them up and we can do all these sense of like music and things like that. And we can try and get you to make an emotional response to the gospel and to a salvation call. And that's not what it's going to be this morning. My, my, I'm just, I'm asking you to simply intellectually categorize where do you, where do you stand right now with God? It's that simple. You, you are 58 minutes closer to meeting him than when you first walked in here today. And that's, that's no threat. That's just the fact that I've, I've gone to way too many funerals this last year way too many. And way too many of them, we cover up with these spiritual platitudes, with these religious platitudes that I'm not even sure people believe. Oh, he's in a better place. Oh, well, at least his suffering is is gone. And I want to just stop and grab people and say, do you believe that? Listen, at a funeral is not the right time. Now is the time to ask you, do you believe that? 
Do you believe that God loves you? Do you believe that he has a better place for you? Do you believe he has a plan for your life? And if you don't know how to answer that question, my ask is that you would, that you would go onto this website. You can go onto gschurch.info. You can grab that QR code at the end of service. It's gonna be up as we dismiss today. And you can just, you could throw on there, uh, hey, listen, I don't even know where to start. I wanna give my life to Jesus. I don't even know where to begin. And, and here's, here's the cool thing about our church, okay? Like there's a lot of people in here. I haven't seen this many people in here in a while. But what, what I know is that we're actually just a bunch of people. Now, this isn't some crazy institution where there's all sense of like uh, bureaucracy and all sense of this like all other crazy kind of stuff. Like if you fill that out, I'll probably email you. I'll probably be one of the people emailing you back. There's some of you, who you're just going like, man, I'm just, I'm missing a church. I haven't get engaged back into a church community since before COVID. And now's the time. Now's the time. I'm saying now is the time for you to just plug back into a church. It doesn't have to be this church. Like Robin said, when we were praying, there are so many good churches in Loveland, Colorado. It's insane. It's insane. Get involved in one. Get involved in one, plant yourself down, commit yourself there. But if you want to know more about there, more about us here at Good Shepherd Church, you can fill it out there. If you, if you are like, I disagree with everything you just said, and here's why, email me. I dare you. <laughs> just sounds fun, I think. You know what I mean? <laughs> Most people, though, I think at this point, if you aren't in a relationship with Jesus, my guess is you're not snarky and you're not angsty and you're not waiting to just write that scathing email to me right now. You're actually just tired and you're hurting and you're broken. And maybe it was the church that hurt you. And I'm sorry about that. I genuinely am. There are so many things that people do to cause pain and that's a real bummer. And if at the bare minimum, I, I just wanna know that you that you feel like you could receive prayer here. Man, because we are a bunch of imperfect people who are gathered every Sunday morning just to worship and celebrate that Jesus has made us new. That's why we're here. And so like, if, if you don't belong to a church, if you want to keep participating, keep hanging out with what we're doing here, uh, man, guess what? It's Resurrection Sunday every Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> man, come on. It's, it's different in here this morning because it hits a little different when you start to picture that very first Easter morning, right? But, but how many of you know, like it's, it's like that every morning. Let's, you know what? Actually, let's do it this way. That'll just be fun. How many of you know that you are way more messed up than anyone else in this room knows you are, but Jesus loves you anyways? Raise your hand. Okay, look around. This is who we are. And I'm not trying to sugarcoat it, obviously. It's messy and it's difficult. And sometimes we try and get people involved in groups and it doesn't work because you know what happens where groups are at? People are. And it doesn't always work perfectly. But our hope is that we can get you committed and engaged in the body of Christ so that, because, so that you can grow into all that Christ has for you. So I'm, I'm gonna pray. And that's gonna be what we do this morning. That, this is it, this is it. But I wanna create just a space right here where you can just kind of honestly with the Lord, between you and him, you can just kind of admit where you're at with him. And maybe just maybe you can take a couple steps back towards life this morning. And so if you're willing, would you, just, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? Man, and for those of you who this morning, you're just realizing, I think I say a lot of things about God, but I don't know that I really believe in him. My invitation to you right now is to just say, God, I'm yours. God, I confess that I am a sinner in need of your grace. I, I confess that I have done this far too long without you. And I'm asking God that you would come and that you would take over me. 
God, that it wouldn't be my will or my ideas that would be done anymore, but would it be yours for my life? Confess, God, that you are the only way. You're the only way. You're the only God who stepped out of heaven to become the sin, to, to become the problem and to take care of the problem and to deal with the problem, not to let us try and do it on our own. And so we confess, Jesus, that you are Lord and Savior. Here's what I want to do. If every eye, just keep your eyes closed, your heads bowed. Man, if that was you that just made a prayer of confession this morning for the first time, would you just raise your hand? You just be so bold in this moment just to raise your hand up that you're desperate for him. Man, thank you. You can put your hands down. Several of you. Praise God. Man, now for the rest of the rest of the church, for the rest of us, God, we just ask that we would continue to live into the implications of your resurrection. Would we continue to live into the identity that you have called us, chosen us, and you love us? Jesus, I thank you for the work that you're doing here. I pray that you'd continue to move and you'd continue to be glorified in all that we do. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, um, listen, we're, we're in this series that we're just calling uh, Life on Mission. And all we've been talking about is what it now means to live out of this idea that we are Christians, really. We're talking about what, what does it mean to, to act like and behave like a Christian. We're continuing this series for the next couple of weeks. And so I'd love to invite you back. I would also love to invite you to, as you exit the building today, to go towards the west and then towards the north and exit out of the north side of the parking lot. Otherwise, it's going to be chaos out there. We don't want that. Y'all got a ham or y'all got, got something on the Traeger to get to this morning. I know that, okay? So just, just get to your stuff. Um, listen, let's, let's stand and we're going to pray one more time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless us as we go out this morning. God, you're so good. God, we praise you that the tomb is empty, that because of your death on the cross and your resurrection from the grave, God, we don't have to fear anymore. We don't have to live uh, without joy. We don't have to live without hope. We get to live with purpose and we get to live on mission, on purpose for you to bring your name into this world. And so I pray that above all else, above the Easter egg hunts, above the meals that we're gonna share today, above all, everything else that's going on, I pray that we would represent and glorify your name wherever we find ourselves today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. The church said, amen. amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Happy Easter. Love you. See you next week.